You know what we didn't talk about during our beer glass chat yesterday, Imogen Wells? And I don't know how I overlooked this, knowing, as I do, what a devotee of Chardonnay you are. Oui, oui. Um, but we didn't talk about stemless wine glasses. Drop your reckons, please, in the next 15 seconds. Oh, they're the best thing since sliced bread. Really? Yes. I thought that you'd be a traditionalist when it came to wine glasses. Oh, no, stemless all the way. As someone who talks with their hands, <laughs> it is way safer to have a more structurally integral drinking vessel <laughs> than something with a with a stem that's at a height that my hands talk at. Okay. I even have stemless champagne floats. Really? Yes. Really? <laughs> I love them. <laughs> why don't you just, just use a keep cup? You know, why not? I might start doing that, actually. Thank you. I might start a new trend. What do you think of them? Uh, not a fan. I don't think they look as elegant as, as normal wine glasses, personally. But I don't really drink that much wine, so it doesn't really matter what I think, does it? Anyway, kia ora, this is Newsville. I'm Emil. And I'm Imogen. And this is what's worth talking about. We're taking a look back at some of sport's worst cheats in history. Why? Because a woman used a car during an ultramarathon. <laughs> Also, we've talked about India's booming economy on the pod, but what about its booming population? The country's on the cusp of overtaking China as the world's most populous nation. Cusp is such a good word. Can you even remember a time before you were just perpetually tired? No. Exactly. So we've called on an expert to give us some snoozing tips. And plus, do we even have to tease it at this point? It's Friday, and you know what that means. Imogen Wells. Oh, it's going to be a big one because it's a tie at the moment. It's fun fact Friday. Things are heating up. All of that is coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz slash support. Imogen, there are lots of things that we love, aren't there? Bean. Olives. Well, we do have a lot of love to give, so we therefore love a lot of things. But what do we love most of all, Imo? Most of all, we love a good headline. A good headline. Love a good headline. And we have got a good headline today. Can we maybe get a good good headline drum roll, please, producer Philippa? Top ultra runner Joasha Zakshevsky disqualified for using car in race. <laughs> Beautiful. It's poetry. Sounds like something I would do, to be perfectly honest. (laughs) This, of course, sent us down a rabbit hole because the pantheon of elaborate sports cheats is long, wide, rich and glorious. And we thought we could use a bit of help with this one. So for the first time here on Newsball, we are welcoming the podium host, Zoe George. Hey there. Kia ora. Love a good crossover episode. Newsable debut. <laughs> yeah, it's Marvel, Marvel DC. It's fantastic. <laughs> Zoe, are you up to speed on this story? Can you explain a bit about it? Yeah, well, she entered this competition, the GB Ultras Manchester to Liverpool race in northwest England, and she arrived the day before. And uh, what happened was that she started running and got an injury and felt tired and spotted a friend on the sideline, and she decided to pull out of the race. And her friend drove her to the next Marshall stop, and she was just not going to continue. She has apologised for all of this, but she said that the marshals encouraged her to continue in a non-competitive way, and there was a miscommunication 
between people uh, and that's how she ended up being on the podium uh, coming third but has now and accepting the trophy and accepting the trophy the wooden trophy uh, and the medal but uh, now that has been uh, taken away from her like I said she has apologised she's called herself an idiot and that there was a miscommunication there what do you feel about this are you outraged I think to me it's just it's just silly. I mean, it's not the only time that this has happened. I think most famously was Rosie Ruiz in the 1980 mm. uh, Boston Marathon where she ended up mm. taking the subway and then course-cutting about a mile or so towards the end of the race. There was another one in St. Louis uh, as well a few years ago, 2015, where a racer did exactly the same thing. But there are two types of cheating. I don't know if you know this, but there's two types of cheating in long-distance and marathon runners. So we've got course-cutting which are the types of people that we're talking about here where they skip a section of the course. And then there's bib bandits. Yeah, quite the name, isn't it? So they're runners who forge race numbers to to secure entries to events. Uh, They might be be trying to qualify for a bigger event than they're they're currently racing in and need to get a time. So there you go. That's... uh, But... But cheating in marathon running is becoming harder because now they use these little trackers on all the runners so that they can monitor their progress throughout the race. That's what happened in this case, right? Like, mm. I think her tracker showed that she ran a mile in like one minute thirty, which would have broken the women's record by like two and a half minutes. Well, that's right. Sudden Usain bolts into the arena. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Zoe, do you have any all-time favourite sports cheating stories? Because we certainly do. Yeah, I do. Uh, I mean, going all the way back to the 1994 Winter Olympics, just a few weeks beforehand, when Tonya Harding uh, convinced Mm. her ex-husband and friend to beat up Nancy Kerrigan. That was a bit scandalous. But I think for me, the all-time biggest cheat uh, is Lance Armstrong, seven-time yeah. uh, you know, Tour de France winner, uh, said that he didn't cheat. He stood by that for decades. He battled through cancer. Armstrong came clean only just a few years ago, no pun intended there, I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> to, to Oprah Winfrey. So for me, he is the biggest sports cheat of all time. Zoe George, host of the podium, thank you very much for your time. You're welcome. Zoe, uh, as we said, is host of uh, The Podium, and incidentally, The Podium just released its 50th episode, so um, yeah, 50, so um, go and check that out, of course it's on stuff, and you can listen to that wherever you get your podcasts. Well, the UN is calling it, so who are we to argue, by the middle of this year, 2023, India will overtake China as the world's most populous country. The UN State of the World Population Report says it expects India to reach 1.4286 billion in 2023. And with China's population shrinking last year for the first time since the 60s, India's taken the crown. So if we look ahead to the coming decades, how dramatically is the world going to change population-wise? Where does New Zealand fit into the picture? And what sorts of challenges could all of these factors pose for countries like this? Joining us now is Massey University sociologist Paul Spoonley. Hello, Paul. Kia ora. Paul, we're just marvelling here at the sheer size of these countries. More than a third of the world living in two countries alone. Is there any explanation as to why China and India are so much more populous than anywhere else? Well, both countries have been growing and of course started with a large base to begin with, and their fertility has grown and grown and grown. And India, 
will now become the most populous nation. So what's happened in the last five years is that India's fertility has continued, but China's hasn't. If we look, Paul, at population projections around the world a few decades down the line, how seismically are things going to change? Are there trends that we do actually see unfolding at the moment? Yes, and they're they're very significant. And I'm not sure that many of us fully understand what's happening, Emil. But what essentially is happening is that in the high-income world, we're seeing the beginning of population stagnation, so no growth, or we're seeing countries that are beginning to decline. So Japan's population dropped by over 400,000 last year. Most of Eastern Europe, places like Poland and Hungary, have seen a drop of about half a million in the last 10 years. And when you, when you start and look around the world, and this is using UN data, what you'll see is that countries will actually begin to decline. And the UN is saying that 23 countries, including places like Taiwan, South Korea, parts of Europe, will actually halve in population. So we're getting a, a rebalancing or a, a relocation of where the world population will be. So you've mentioned India, but the other growth area will be sub-Saharan Africa. And that's wild, isn't it? I think Nigeria's, I think its population is meant to quadruple or something over the next 60 or 70 years. Yes, and, and certainly by the end of this century, so 80 years hence, hmm. uh, I would fully expect that the population of Nigeria will equal that of China. Is India overtaking China a big deal? It is because we've tended as a country to pull from what we call excess talent pools. So what this really tells us is that India will continue to be a country which has a growing and what we would call excess population and the skills that the high income world will need. But China will begin to drop off the pace a wee bit and I don't think in another 10 years we'll be seeing as many Chinese migrants coming to New Zealand. Well, if you were smart and got in ahead of your colleagues and booked Monday off, congratulations, you are headed straight into another four-day weekend. Very clever. Well done, you. Think of all of those sleep-ins. you know what I found over Easter? I slept so well. So well. So, so well. So rested, so zen, but lo and behold, it's as if all that good sleeping was for nothing because a week later, I'm exhausted again. (laughs) It's just gone. The sleep bank apparently doesn't count for anything. Yes, it's in deficit. It owes money to loan sharks (laughs) and the mafia. Um, Indeed, being tired is, is pretty much personality these days, isn't it? So we have got a sleep expert, Pratiksha Ramji here to hopefully help us make well-rested the new personality in town, Kia ora, Pratiksha. Lovely to have you here. Kia ora. It's lovely to be here. Thank you for the, your time today. We're going to roll in hot with this one. Um, please give us your top tips for getting a good night's sleep. Consistency. So a lot of people don't keep a consistent sleep-wake time, um, whether that be because of work, lifestyle, what people often think that sleep starts when you put your head on the pillow, but the hours leading up to sleep, even what we do during the day, all impact our sleep. Consistency would be my top tip. Your tippity top tip. And what is what do, what do you define as a good night's sleep? Because sometimes I can bag eight to nine hours, say, but then 
the following day I will still be very, very tired. Does that mean I've not had a good night's sleep despite sleeping for a long time? Yeah, sleep can be very subjective, which makes treatment sometimes difficult. Um, mm. The stage of sleep that we wake up in can also impact how we feel. For example, when you wake up and you feel like you've been hit by a bus, that's generally because you've woken up in something called stage three sleep, which is our deep sleep. If you are getting consistent eight hours of sleep, then it could be something happening while you're asleep. It could be snoring, could be sleep apnea, it could be sleep fragmentation, which is when you are sleeping, say, for eight hours of sleep, but it could be that you're not staying in those deep stages of sleep or you're chopping and changing between those sleep stages. It could also be a little black dog called Bean deciding he wants to jump on the bed. Um, you just blame everything on Bean. That's what you do. <laughs> He's my best mate. He knows it. Producer, how, how do you feel about naps? Naps. I'm, I love a good nap. Um, sometimes yeah. I feel, you know, I give a lot of advice on sleep and sometimes I feel like a bit of a fraud because <laughs> I do love a good nap. I mean, Research does say um, 20 to 30 minutes is our max time to nap, which I do support that. However, <laughs> but <laughs> in the weekends, if you don't have any social or work obligations to do, then I do tend to nap for a little bit longer. If you nap too much during the day, then your nighttime sleep will be shorter. If we mentioned earlier that, you know, being tired as a personality at the moment or has been for a while and it seems like everyone, you ask, how are you? They say, tired. Mm -mm. Do you know why that is? Why is everyone so tired these days? There is some parts of language involved in this. When we refer to tiredness, tiredness and fatigue are related, whereas sleepiness and drowsiness are related. So sleepiness and drowsiness is relating to you will fall asleep, which is not normal. Whereas tiredness or fatigue can be related to mental tiredness, emotional tiredness, hormones, it could be iron levels. So it's important to differentiate what specifically is making you tired. You're a sleep expert. Would you call yourself an expert sleeper? Great question. I'm a good sleeper. <laughs> so I'm a good sleeper because I have good sleep habits. Fascinating stuff. Some really helpful tips there. I um, feel vindicated as a night person, and Emma probably does as a morning person as well. Mm. Prediction Ramji, thanks so much for your time today. Really appreciate no it. No worries. Thank you. Kakite. Hey, Chris. Yes. Do you want another very broad question? I've got a very broad question today. Go on, then. What do you know about sports? Up the wires, go the Black Caps, and don't forget Premier League football. Oh, you do love a bit of Premier League footage, do. don't you? What team is it that you support again? Oh, the current champions, Manchester City. I think they're pronounced Arsenal. It's pronounced Arsenal. Uh, but you know what's good about football? Yeah, what? They don't regulate soccer. I'm sorry? There's a sport that regulates sock height? Indeed there is, and it's cycling. That's very strange. Why on earth do they regulate it? Well, I know, but if you want to find out, you'll have to listen to the Big Stuff Quiz, wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, that's a cliffhanger indeed. The Big Stuff Quiz is brought to you by Melbourne Every Bit Different. Oh, it's time for fun. Well, I don't know what it was. <laughs> I panicked. I panicked. It's Fun Fact Friday. That's the Fun Fact no, Friday. No, no, no. It's a roller coaster. 
Oh, here it goes. Ooh, yeah, it felt a little spooky. Halloween-y, didn't it? Um, <laughs> yes, it is Fun Fact Friday. It, it is. It is Time to compete in the latest round of Fun Fact Friday. We're at a tie. Yeah, three all in it. Three all. I've got all the momentum. Have you got another space fact I this actually week, did huh? have a good space fact. But I, I was like, I, this is taking the piss too much. I've got, I've got to, I've got to diversify myself. Right? Do you want to go first? I can do. Okay. Fire away. Mine's topical. Oh, okay. We were talking rhinos this week. Uh-huh. So they're called black and white rhinos, despite all rhinos being grey. Uh-huh. The reason white rhinos are called white rhinos is because of a misunderstanding. It was the Afrikaans' word for wide, referring to the rhino's mouth size, was misheard as white, and therefore they were called white rhinos. And then the black ones, it's alleged, uh, were called black rhinos just as a distinction, <laughs> because black and white are obviously opposites. <laughs> so that, that one's now the white rhino, and that one's not the white rhino, so that one's now the black rhino. Wait, so both black and white rhinos are grey? Yes, all right. All rhinos are grey. There's nothing. There's no. There's nothing white about a no. white rhino, and there's nothing black about a black rhino. They're just yeah. called that. The white rhinos were called white rhinos because of a mistake, and then the black ones were then well, what's usually paired with white, black. Boom. I tell you what, the English have got a lot to answer for, don't they? <laughs> Honestly, let's not go there right now. It's the end of the show, not That's the start. That's true. It's Friday. Um, Excellent fact. That is a, that is a very, very good fact and a very Thank topical you. fact. Well mm. My fun fact this week is that uh, Dolly Parton. Oh, no, I've already won, haven't you? <laughs> Dolly Parton once entered a Dolly Parton lookalike contest. And didn't win? And lost to a drag queen. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. How good is that? Yeah, oh, it's good. I can just imagine it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> All right, um, vote for whose fun fact you think is best on Instagram. Search us up at NewsableNZ. I think that's us for today. That's Newsable for today. I'm Imogen Wells. And I'm Emil Donovan. If you enjoy this podcast, please do follow us on your favourite podcast player, whatever it might be, Apple, Spotify, um, Overcast. I can't even remember what the other ones are. But you can also leave us a rating and a review. It helps other listeners to discover it. And our mums really like it when you say nice things about us. Mackie Wells bloody loves it. You can also hit us up directly if you've got something to say. Email us, newsable at stuff.co.nz Hey, have a good weekend. If you liked listening to this pod, help us make more like this. Visit stuff.co.nz support.